Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome out to Peekappy Podcast. This is the Pokemon anime podcast going through every episode of the series. And what an episode we have on the plate today. Advanced Generation number 42, Love at First Flight. There is so much to unpack in these 22 minutes. Like, really, this is going to be a good one. If it's your first time listening, you picked a good one to jump into. Uh, Thank you for joining us, everybody. My name is Anne, I'm your host today, and if you're the type of person that likes to watch Pokemon and just analyze everybody's reactions and their character growth and like maybe put more thought into the story arc than the writers themselves may have at the time, then you are in the right place. I really love watching Pokemon, I really love dissecting Pokemon. And this is an episode where such character things happen that really need to be referenced more often than they get. (laughs) But before we get into this lovely insanity that we're going to dive right into, a quick reminder that Peak Happy Podcast is brought to you by PokePress. PokePress reports on all corners of the Pokemon franchise with a special emphasis on the Pokemon fan experience. So whether you're into the music, the anime, the TCG, the video games, the cosplay, my word, Pokemon has the best cosplay. Like, some of that hair is, like, if you can recreate that in real life, your award is in the bag. And recently on their YouTube channel, they did a live discussing Pokemon Go Community Day, as well as more discussions of Pokemon music. So head on over to PokePress at YouTube and check that out, or you can also find them at pokepress.blogspot.com. I'll also have those links on my blog page so you can explore all the different ways that you can be a fan of Pokemon. And today you can be a fan by, like, diving hardcore into this anime. So let us get into this one of the quintessential Hoenn-type moments. So we open, the kids come across a beautiful lake, it's picturesque, it's a perfect place for a picnic. And fun trivia, the name of the lake is Lake May. That's fun. But out on the lake, we see a couple of bug Pokemon, a Volbeat and an Illumise. A pair of Firefly Pokemon, they're good friends it seems, and happy to see each other, circling around and dancing together in the sky... Both May and Ash Pokedex for more info. As I said, they're Firefly Pokemon and kind of gender counterparts to each other. 
And as the kids are watching, Nurse Joy spots them and comes over. She tells them about the Spring Festival, the May Festival, in this area, and how Volbeat and Ilamize's performance is one of the main attractions. The performance will be tomorrow, but the practices are open to watch, so the kids settle in to observe the Pokémon, as well as the trainers of Volbeat and Ilumise, Romeo and Juliet. I am kind of picking up on a theme here, but along with that, there's a festival legend. If you're in love and you watch Volbeat and Ilumise perform, you'll be blessed with super good luck. And Brock needs all the luck he can get, so good thing he's here. Also, with the beautiful Juliet taking all of Brock's attention, Nurse Joy is really dodging a bullet here. She has no idea. She's probably the only Joy in the whole series to actually be able to sit down next to Brock and have a conversation even without, you know, just craziness happening. He's not given her a single issue. All his attention is on the other unobtainable lady in the vicinity. Well, Juliet's partner, Romeo, is not doing so well in this practice. He's fumbling with the Pokeballs, is kind of shy and soft-spoken to the point of being ineffective and hesitant, not dependable, May says. Brock goes so far as to call him a loser. And it doesn't help that Romeo's not exactly the most physically fit gentleman, so... Like, come on, guys, keep your commentary to yourselves. I'm sure this guy's had enough people calling him a loser in high school. Like, he doesn't need a bunch of kids picking on him in his practice. Thankfully, Ash is a decent human being, calls out encouragement from the stands, like, Hang in there! You can do it, Romeo! So, Romeo's looking a little bit nervous, but it's not helped by one of his Volbeat, who's basically Brock. It's got hearts in its eyes for Ilumise and no focus on its job. And since it's the leader of five Volbeat, none of the others can do their jobs either. They, they follow Fearless Leader in, like, random circles. It's terrible. It really is a problem. Juliet's getting anxious, as is Ilumise, and the practice just isn't working. Flustered, Romeo fumbles his little sparkler used to direct the Volbeat, and, and now he's just lost control of the flock. One of the Volbeat crashes into Ilumise, and she falls into the water, followed by all the Volbeat. So now we have drowning Pokémon. Like, this is the practice everybody wanted to see. Well, Juliet's on the ball. She dives in to save Ilumise, but Romeo gets knocked into the water and he can't swim. So Ash and Brock jump up with their water Pokemon to save him and, and everybody else. Like No one was expecting they'd need to be lifeguards today, but good for them for being on it. So with Corfish, Mudkip, Lotad, Ash and Brock and Juliet all swimming around, they manage to rescue everybody and get them to shore. And it looks... Like, Ash may have had to perform CPR on a Volbeat. Like, that is how I'm reading that tableau. <laughs> Adding to the list of skills that Ash just randomly has and no explanation. <laughs> Although the CPR is not so out of left field. Like, I imagine it probably didn't take long into the original series for those three to realize they needed to know things like first aid and CPR and mouth-to-mouth -mouth and all the good life-saving techniques. I think it's movie too, where Misty shows she has a rough idea of CPR, and I think growing up around a swimming pool, she would know some lifeguardy techniques, so 
so yeah, it's not that weird that she would have pulled Ash aside at some point in their time together and taught him and Brock, like, this is how we don't kill ourselves, boys. Like, goodness, they've only nearly drowned enough times. But Nurse Joy is also there to help, and everyone's fine after this ordeal. It got a little worrisome there for a minute, but Ilumise's fine, all the Volbeat, Romeo and Juliet, it's all good. I mean, relatively. Romeo is obviously in kind of a funk, and their presentation is tomorrow, so he's he's got to get out of it. The guy seems nice enough, but he's kind of a downer, and all his talk is depressive. He's got terrible luck. He's kind of a klutz. He just does not seem to be in the best time of his life, considering he's training a headlining act in this festival. But while the kids wonder on so many levels what is wrong with this guy, we cut to Team Rocket. They're watching through binoculars, and Jessie's actually feeling a moment of sympathy for Romeo. Mostly because she wants to watch the performance and get good luck, so she needs him to pull himself together and train those Volbeat properly. Of course, there is another option to change Team Rocket's fortune, and that is to just steal the Pokémon, give them to the boss. In the fantasy, Meowth suggests they could put on a song and dance routine to lift Giovanni's spirits when he's feeling burdened by paperwork. And you know, seeing these fantasies and their ideas on what their boss might want out of stolen Pokemon, I mean, sometimes I wonder if Jesse and James and Meowth aren't a little confused on what it is Team Rocket actually does. <laughs> like, really? Then again, this is a mob with an HR department, so maybe even Giovanni isn't sure what Team Rocket does anymore. <laughs> well, with the twerps, Romeo gets Volbeat all back from Nurse Joy and decides to practice without Juliet and Ilumise. Our heroes offer to help, or at least watch and give feedback, and wow, Romeo now is a completely different person. He's confident, he's having fun. He's commanding when he needs to be. He's encouraging of his Pokemon. This man is talented. Where was this guy half an hour ago? And the Volbeat are similar. They're paying attention, following directions, being the headlining Pokemon act everyone expected them to be. It's a total switch. And Romeo confesses it's always like this, until he and his lead Volbeat get within five feet of Juliet and Ilumise. Then they're so nervous, they can't focus, they're tripping all over themselves. It's a disaster. Nash is like, well, that's really weird. I don't think that's ever happened to me. Uh. At May's prodding, Romeo details how he feels whenever he's around Juliet. The symptoms of his crush, and Ash is like, dude, you sound sick! You need to go to the hospital, like, right now! Just... He's so confused, May has to spell this out for him, and keep Brock in check because, dude, we're not talking to you, please go find some dignity. Like, May is such a romantic at heart, like, I'm sure it's killing her that the only people she's got to help her with her ship quest is Brock and Ash. But she gets the story out of Romeo. Romeo hadn't actually considered that he or Volbeat were in love, but now that May's called attention to it, yeah, that seems about right. 
he and Juliet have been friends since they were kids, though, so he's he's not so enthusiastic at first to find out about his crush. Like, Juliet doesn't seem to see him differently as they've aged, and, and he might mess up the friendship. They've got a job to do. Like, there's all sorts of, of you know, obstacles. But May loves her shipping. She's a born matchmaker and wants to see all the happy couples fall in love and get together. Like I said, real romantic. So she wants to help Romeo, help him find the courage to confess. And she's going to coach him through this. But to do that, she'll need an assistant. And then, Ash, can I ask you a favor? And that's how we got cross-dressing scene number two. So the next scene, Romeo is confessing at night, Juliet stands on a patio in the moonlight, and Romeo tries to get the words out, but he can't. May prompts him, finally, they have to stop, and she gives him some words of encouragement while Romeo expresses fear that maybe Juliet doesn't like him back. All through this, Juliet just stands there, in perfect earshot, waiting and then finally, Juliet turns around and whips off the wig, like, will you guys hurry it up? This scene is already gold. Like, Ash in his cute little capri pants is one thing, and then there's him standing up there trying to be encouraging while this middle-aged man professes love to him and that scowl on his face. And then there's the realization that this was the first place May's mind went. Like, she wants to help Romeo. What should I do? Three seconds. Ash, pretend to be a girl. And, like, she did not ask Brock. I mean, he's not helpful for anything right now, but she didn't even ask. Didn't ask Max. Didn't ask Nurse Joy. Didn't wear the wig herself. Although, as she points out, she is the coach. Like, I just love that this is... The obvious choice for what we need to do next. Ash, can I ask you a favor? <laughs> and judging by Ash's reluctance, he's never going to do a favor for May again. <laughs> like, we're not sure which part of this whole situation bothers him. Like, if he's embarrassed, or if the wig is just really itchy, or if he's bored, I don't know. But he agrees to take one for the team and keep going with this. Uh, to be fair, though, Romeo's not sold on the plan either. He can't even say he's in love in a pretend situation. And I'm sure, like, just the fact that he knows that's not Juliet, that's like a 10-year-old child, like, is all kinds of creepy to him. Like, I don't know if May's plan is actually helping or not. So the master comes in to show Romeo how it's done. Who has logged more miles of love confession than Brock of Pewter City? And he loves Juliet every bit as much as Romeo. They're rivals. So this is a conflict of interest, really. But Brock gallantly steps up to show us all how a proposal of love should really go down. Max is off on the side like, this keeps getting better and better. Probably thinking of going to buy some popcorn. Enjoy it, Max. It could have been you in that wig. Well, Brock starts off strong. He brings in roses, like, Juliet, your love has pierced my heart. You're more beautiful than these flowers. Ash looks decidedly unimpressed. But he stands there because he promised me, like, this might be helping. Who knows? What does he know about love? 
Until Brock runs up the patio, legit hearts in his eyes, and starts trying to glomp Ash. He's like, game over, red flag, red flag. (laughs) Ash dodges Brock's embrace, and then he's just chased up and down the patio, screaming. And Brock's still going after him, like, come back, my Juliet, my sweet. Like, no, you've really lost it this time, Brock. (laughs) This... Max's face says it all. And and May's upset, like, Brock ruins everything. Romeo doesn't know what's going on, like, if he's accidentally created some little preteen gay love triangle. He doesn't know these kids' lives. None of this makes sense. Pikachu looks caught between the same stunned silence that's got Max and, and, like, some genuine concern for his trainer. Ash is still screaming. Like, You will never convince me that Ash is completely oblivious to romance. Like, that it's never his first, second, or even third conclusion? Sure, I buy that. That he values the pure love of friendship higher than kissy, smoochy romance? Yeah, like, I buy that. That he possibly conflates friendship, love, and romantic love as being the same thing? I absolutely believe that. But that he doesn't understand it at all? I don't buy that for a second. He travels with Brock. He has traveled with Chikorita. Now he's made it through Apom and Serena. I believe he knows what romantic love is. And even if it takes him a minute to jump to that conclusion, even if he may not always get the nuances of it, he knows what love is. He understands. I just don't think he wants to. Look what he has to put up with. To get real deep, like, we're not sure what the deal is with his dad. Gary's parents have a huge question mark beside them. So it's not like Ash has grown up seeing how healthy romantic relationships are supposed to go. Like, there's a big void there in his life. His biggest exposure to romantic love is Brock. Brock claims to love every girl he comes across and confesses that love with such aggressive passion that it's sometimes kind of illegal. Brock has legit scared girls before. He's run up and launched himself at them, grabbed their hands, made huge scenes. No thoughts to whether they're okay with this. He's followed them around. He's dumped a truckload of flowery words on them without letting them get a word in edgewise and then is crushed when he's eventually rejected. But Brock is older, he's a role model, whether he likes it or not. He's the guy Ash is traveling with for years and is modeling behavior for the younger boy. He's not just Ash's first exposure to how people react when they're in love, he's the constant exposure. And what part of Brock's behavior is gonna make Ash feel that love is something he wants? For himself or to inflict on another person? Like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, Pikachu, whoever you ship Ash with, do you think he wants someone to come up to him and accost him like that? And knowing what we do of Ash, do you think he wants to be that guy? Like, Brock's behavior is weird. We can see that Ash thinks it's weird. It's not attractive. He's always saying, I hope I never act like that when I get old. If Brock's behavior is the foundation for all Ash's knowledge about love, yeah, he's gonna avoid that like the plague. 
Moreover, if people in love act like Brock, then yeah, Ash isn't going to recognize romance easily in the real world. Like, he might be like, well, I like Misty, sure, more than most friends, but I've never acted like that, so I must not be in love. The Cottony are best friends, but they don't act like Brock, so that must be something different. Aoi's super cool, she's real nice to me, but she's not acting like Takeshi, so yeah, she can't be in love, we must just be friends. It makes sense. And aside from Brock, Ash's second biggest exposure so far is Chikorita. And yeah, that was... He learned to deal with that, they told him it was a crush, and he acknowledged it as such. And you know, Chikorita kinda acts like Brock with her crush, and still does. She tackles Ash to the ground, whether Ash is in the mood for that or not. And she used to be downright vindictive around Pikachu. So, again, what about this behavior makes Ash think that love is something he wants in his life, or wants to see in his friends? Like, I don't believe Ash doesn't know anything about what love is, that he's completely oblivious to everything going around on around him. Like, he hears the word love every stinking day from Brock. He knows what it is. What I believe is that Ash doesn't always recognize love for what it is, and that when he does, he tries to ignore it. Because if, say, Misty ever flat out told Ash she loved him, like, that may be the most plausible human ship for Ash. Like, like whether you ship them or not doesn't matter. The, f- the canon fact is her friend status is on a whole other class to every other friend he's ever had. She is the bestiest best friend of all the human best friends, that, and she may be the one human friend on anything approaching equal par with Pikachu. Ash loves moments where his and Misty's super special best friendship get affirmed and reaffirmed. Like, anytime she tells Ash, like, we're friends, you're my best friend, he's so happy. But if she told him she loved him... When love to him means attacking like a crazy person and not caring about people's feelings, he'd be terrified. He'd be heartbroken because to him, the evidence suggests that when you love someone, you stop acting like a friend. And why would he want that? Yeah, people tell him differently, and he's met some nice couples in love who don't act like total lunatics. May's parents seem in love and borderline normal, but in his experience, love is Chikorita sneaking into his bed in the middle of the night and maybe plotting Pikachu's death. It's Brock causing the local nurse Joy to consider filing a restraining order. It's every older girl he comes across tensing up in fear when Brock grabs them. Like, why would he want to see that in the people around him? Why would he want to see that directed at him? So yeah, Romeo seems like a nice guy. He's not glomping Juliet. Ash is probably willing to help him out. But when Serena eventually arrives on the scene, Ash is probably going to remember getting chased around a patio by a guy who's supposed to be his friend because love. And he's going to be like, yeah, Ignoring all of this la-la-la friend zone. Aside from Ash's reaction, though, we've also got to unpack whether or not Brock has something he wants to tell Ash. Like, 
I feel after all this terrorizing, maybe the two of them need to talk. Brock didn't fall for little Ashley back in Cerulean City when he was cross-dressing to get into Erica's gym, and, and this time Ash is cross-playing a specific person much older. But all the same, given that Brock kind of saw Ash getting dressed, and he can tell the differences between Nurse Joy's down to their eyelashes and thus isn't attracted to, say, Jesse in cosplay... I'm not sure I buy this as the only reason he jumped straight off the deep end today. Like, Brock is clearly in deep in his Twitter-pated loveness today, but to become so enraptured that he actually thinks that this is Juliet in front of him and not his best friend Ash, who is speaking to him in Ash's voice and is considerably shorter than Juliet, and Brock saw him get dressed... And everyone's calling him Ash. Like, I don't, I don't know if I buy that Brock is so blinded that he's actually confused as to who's in front of him. Whatever's going on in Brock's head, when this is all over, he at least owes Ash an apology. I would also like to take note of May's reaction as one of the spectators. She's the only one of them who's not shocked, just super annoyed. Like, none of this is taking her by surprise. In fact, she almost looks resigned and just like, oh my gosh, I should have known. <laughs> Max and Pikachu look real stunned, though. Well, let's uh, cut to Juliet, who's off uh, at her house reminiscing on her childhood with Romeo, back when he was less awkward and they had more fun together. And, like, romantic fun. Juliet is asking him if he wants to marry her when they become grown-ups and is kissing him on the cheek and Romeo's not awkward at all. And seeing that other side of Romeo earlier, like, yeah, I can see why Juliet would be very much interested in this guy. But now they are grown-ups. This romance thing is real. But Juliet's disappointed because I'm guessing she's still interested and is taking all the awkwardness of Romeo's to mean that he doesn't like her as much anymore. That he doesn't like her romantically, and since his behavior has changed, maybe he doesn't see her as a friend anymore even. Like, she's really quite depressed about this. But across the sky, Juliet sees a light. It looks like that of a Volbeat. And she and Ilumise cheer up. Maybe the boys are coming to practice with us. They do like us. They run outside. Ilumise flies up towards the light, only to discover it's Team Rocket. Meowth in a Volbeat suit with a light bulb strapped to his butt. They capture Ilumise and Juliet can only wonder what's going on. Meanwhile, back at Romeo's house, uh, love training is still going on. Somehow they rescued Ash and convinced him to keep going with this. Like, May owes him such favors, really. Brock is looking super disappointed. Max and Pikachu have fallen asleep. But Romeo is at least getting words out of his mouth. Though not confidently. So May is really drilling him. And Juliet, looking for help or answers, walks up and hears all of this. She's got questions. Like, why hasn't anyone put a muzzle on Brock yet? Why is that little boy wearing my clothes? But all of this is overshadowed by the fact that Romeo likes her. But she can't deal with that now. She she blushes, but she gets down to business. Ilumise is gone. I thought maybe she came over with you and Volbeat, but you guys are here. Ash just needs one word of this, and he rips off his wig like, Disappeared? This sounds like a job for... 
and in a record-breaking costume change, is back in blue before Brock finishes his own declaration of action. In my mind, Ash is totally just wearing his jeans over those capri pants. Romeo is more effective than all of them, though. He rounds up his herd of Volbeat and has them go sniffing for Ilumise's sweet scent. An Ilumise's sweet scent is meant to lure in Volbeat, and after all, these boys work with her. They, they know it well. One of them is really familiar with it. They can find Ilumise like a bunch of bloodhounds. All the humans have to do is follow. And they do, across the lake, up a cliff, until Ash and Romeo scale the wall and find Jesse and James dressed as an Ilumise and a Volbeat, and it's just a little disturbing. Perhaps not the weirdest thing Ash has endured tonight, but still... Anyway, Team Rocket's got their usual vacuum, so they suck up four of the five Volbeat and keep increasing the power to get Pikachu. Soon even Ash is lifted off his feet, and that's where the plan starts to go south. Because you never want to capture Ash. We've established this often. You distract or get him out of the way, and then you run with whatever your hands can carry. You don't want to take him with you. Ash clogs up the vacuum, preventing himself, Pikachu, or anyone else from getting sucked in for a brief second, which allows the remaining Volbeat to smash the cage holding Ilumise. And after that, Team Rocket does uh, eventually suck up Ash and Pikachu into the machine, where they destroy it from the inside. Once the vacuum's busted, Volbeat can rescue them, and while Ash and the Pokémon are a little dizzy, they're none the worse for wear. Ilumise, though, is able to save the Volbeat from Seviper's attack by using Sweet Scent. The Volbeat are dizzy and they don't know which end is up, but they know that following Ilumise's Sweet Scent will lead to safety, so... Aw, trust and teamwork, they're so sweet, they're saved. And from there, the good guys are able to beat down Team Rocket and send them blasting off. Volbeat's Signal Beam does the trick. And well, the day is won! And Ilumise has had enough of waiting to figure out what's up with Volbeat. She just goes over and plants a wet one on her man. Aw, the Pokemon approve. And Romeo takes the plunge too. He tells Juliet, as confidently as he can, that he likes her. And then Brock does the same thing. Just rain in on that whole parade. He's like, and I brought you flowers. Juliet's just like, can someone please restrain the teenage boy? She turns Brock down because she likes her Romeo. So, it's a little awkward. Like, Romeo's still getting used to this established relationship thing, but they're an item now and it's adorable. All's well that ends well. May's so happy. Brock is sobbing and Ash... Yeah, Ash is not oblivious. And Ash is maybe finding Brock's plight a bit amusing after the whole thing. I mean, the next night, uh, as they're all watching Volbeat and Ilumise perform, he expresses either confusion or skepticism over the power of love. I'm leaning towards the latter. I mean, May says he'll understand when he's older, and he's just like, oh boy. I think sometimes it might all come down to acting choices in the case of Ash's awareness of romance, but I love how Veronica Taylor is playing this scene, like... It's not that Ash doesn't know what romance is. It's just not the first conclusion he jumps to, at all. It doesn't look like anything he wants a part of. 
And after having Brock chase him around in women's clothing and just generally terrifying him, he's not so sure that this love thing is full of healing confidence and restoring powers that May's ascribing to it. Like, he's real skeptical and would just rather not think about it, thank you very much. It could be that Rika Matsumoto plays it differently in this scene, but I really love this interpretation of Ash because it makes more sense than just... I'm 10 and I don't understand anything about love. Like, people have told Ash enough times. I just don't think he wants to know. Like, more than being completely oblivious, it's funnier to have Ash just be so done with it all. And in this scene, Pikachu is actually the one sounding confused. As should all of them be after last night. Just what the heck, Brock? Anyway, yes, the May Festival goes off to great success. Romeo and the Volbeat are putting on a great show with Juliet and Ilumise. Like, wow, they are all really good. And so we'll end the episode there. The people who wanted love found it. The people who really didn't want love were able to avoid it. Like, really, it's a good day for everybody. And in true Hoenn fashion, yeah, just... A cracked out, insane episode that could not have gotten any weirder and yet, like, still manages to be insightful. Like, that's what I love about this region. It is it is an acid trip from start to finish, but has some of the most interesting character moments buried in just pure crazy. I really loved this episode so much. Anyway, if you'd like to keep up with this show or send in your ideas on Ash and the romance issue or... Whether or not Brock, what is up with Brock today? <laughs> you can send in all those thoughts uh, to peakappypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at peakappypodcast, or you can find us at peakappypodcast.blogspot.com. Any and all of those places on the internet, we are available. And until next time, this is Peakappy Podcast signing off. Gotta catch them all. Pikachu!